Well, hello there. Hello. And welcome to episode 11. 11 of the Carrier's Edge podcast. My name is Mark Morell. I'm a co-founder of Carrier's Edge. I'm Jane Jezrowie. I'm the other co-founder. And today we have a variety of exciting things to go through. Oh man, you said that in such an exciting we are like so, so everybody is so wow i i feel excited just listening to your voice well it's that time of year when we're exhausted mm-hmm. there seems to be many times of i the think year. we're always exhausted and well, that's just yeah. kind of may gets how into it is the insanity so we've had a lot of things that uh, have been happening over the last little while and things that we're prepping to have happen so but i was thinking on the way down the stairs to come and do this podcast that This time of the year, there's all of these events scheduled that are business related. So there's all these conventions and conferences and all this stuff like this. So May and June is just crazy. But at the same time, May and June is also prime time for all the school stuff. So it just occurs to me that that's why so many people miss all of these events at school. Yeah, could be. Well, certainly the younger generation. Um, But yeah, many of these events are targeted towards sort of the older generation who don't have kids at home. So it's not an issue for them. Yeah, but it's, I don't know, it's a huge issue for us because we are constantly having to try and schedule things around or we try and schedule, but it's we always end up missing one or both of us is always missing something. And it's a a huge drag. Well, that will factor into something else that we're going to talk about today when we do some updates on some things. Okay, so we will save it for later. Yes, we'll just have that nugget off the top. Save it for later. Who sings that? Is that actually a song? Save it for later, yeah. Wow, it's a song that you're singing, I don't even know it. I think those are the words. (laughs) (laughs) We think it's an actual song. Well, you never know. You never know what kind of variety show you're going to get here (laughs) on this podcast. (laughs) Oh boy, we've got to snorting already. We are in good shape. So uh, what are we going to talk about today? I am just back from the TCA Safety and Security Conference. I've got an update on that. And you have been busy with media work uh, for the last little bit. So you can talk about that. And then uh, I think we can talk a little bit about uh, some upcoming stuff that we've got with the Workforce Builders Conference and some other things related to that. Which I'm really looking forward forward to. Workforce builders. I yeah. think there's some good, yeah, it's going to be a good session. So I hope so. We have two sessions. So yeah. that'll be, uh, but it'll be interesting because one of them is, is revolving around Best Fleets. The other one is something we haven't done also before. Also revolving around Best Fleets. No, not really. It's, I mean, we come from a Best Fleets point of view. It's a tangent. It's a tangent, but yeah. we haven't explored that before. So it's going to be interesting. But okay. anyway, I digress. <laughs> As usual, this I digress. This podcast is just one giant digression. It, it is. It uh, is. That's the, it's the digression podcast. Well, do you podcast. want to go in reverse chronological order? No, Or, or no. do you just want to grab random things? I want to grab random things as I see fit. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, try and do it in a little bit of order. We'll start with the TCA Safety and Security Conference, my brief report on that, um, and then uh, we can go from there into some other things. I was uh, at the TCA Safety and Security Conference this past weekend, so it starts... Victoria Day weekend. Yes, in Canada, it's a long weekend, uh, although it's almost always cold and rainy. And it was. 
But the TCA thing starts on a Sunday, uh, and this year was in Phoenix. Uh, so I got to go someplace that was definitely not cold and rainy, uh, because Phoenix in May is not either of those things. I don't think Phoenix it is was, ever cold or raining. Well, their version of cold is what we would call late spring. Yeah. Uh, but... Yeah, it uh, it alternated between crazy hot and stupidly hot uh, for the, the few days that I was there. But I will say I love Phoenix. I love the desert. Uh, actually, it was my first time being in Phoenix. And this was in Glendale, which is like a suburb of Phoenix. And it was kind of a, a wild place because it's like very much on the outskirts of town. So the empty fields are basically just desert, like you're on the edge of the desert. And what they've done is created this area that is an outlet mall and then like a restaurant mall with like a bunch of these sports bar, restaurant type places, a hockey arena and a giant football stadium. And so you've got like these little things that have sprouted up amidst this sea of parking uh, in a even larger uh, sea of desert of emptiness so it's kind the of a parking weird lot place. must be giant it's pretty big it's a pretty big parking lot on all sides of the stadium and like a, an entire city block basically of parking lot across from the hotel uh, and another one attached to the uh, the outlet mall but is otherwise it's just empty desert so they get lots of space um, I guess is it a, tell me it's at least free parking apparently it's most of the time free uh, they, I mean, it looked to me like free parking, but um, one of the cab drivers that I was with said that they would sometimes charge for it for certain events. So I think a couple of years ago when they had the Super Bowl there, they probably yeah, were charging probably, for parking. Yeah, probably, yeah. So it was a nice area that way. The facility, the Renaissance uh, Hotel in Glendale there is was fantastic. It's one of the best facilities I've been to for a conference. Because normally you get sort of smaller meeting rooms and low ceilings and it everything kind of feels cramped, but this, like it went the opposite direction that the, um, the exhibit area was huge and like 30 foot ceilings. So feels very spacious in there. Um, the, the downside of that is that it feels empty no matter what. And it was, the conference was lower attendance and the attendance is certainly going down over the past few years. And you really noticed it like in the exhibit area where there was even if there's 75 people in there, it seems like nothing because the room is probably set for, I don't know, 400 or something. Wow. Um, so the, some of the content was good. Um, some good speakers. It was nice to see uh, some of our customers were there. Uh, nice to see some of the best fleets uh, speaking. Um, it, that uh, was good. A couple of good sessions that I went to about sort of the future regulatory update and things like that. Uh, those are always good. And one thing, a couple of things that came out of the uh, regulatory update that I thought were very notable, uh, and this is on the sort of Sunday afternoon, the first general session when it gets going, and Dave Heller, who is the, the VP of you know, Public Policy or Government Affairs uh, at the TCA, he does sort of his regulatory update, what's coming down the road, what's happening now. And the two things that he mentioned that really stuck with me one of them was with the ELD mandate coming in December, all of a sudden there's going to be a flood of data coming in from all of these ELDs. And he's questioning whether FMCSA is ready for that. 
because all of a sudden <laughs> there's going to be a ton of information. Interesting. And I hadn't really thought about that much, but with the ELDs, you know, it takes all of the information that gets collected on paper logs, all of that stuff is moved into an online uh, repository, and when that happens, it can all be compiled and aggregated. And so, but it's not the FMCSAs, though. It, this no, is all private data that belongs can, to the carriers. It does, but all of that data is sort of verified and can all be put together so the industry can say, hey, here's the real situation on the roads. Here's how much time we're spending at Wayscales. Here's how much time is getting lost uh, with roadside. Here's how much time we're losing because of traffic. And the, the second part of that, which is or a second thing that he said that kind of grew out of that is here's how much time we're really losing on detention, which is becoming a big issue, detention time. Yes. Um, and pushing it back to the shippers to say, look, here is the data and we can't lie. We can't be fudging the numbers. Our drivers can't go when they're out of hours. This needs to be dealt with. So I think that many of the best fleets are already doing things like that. A lot of fleets and many of the fleets that were there are already on ELDs. I mean, the people that are showing up at a safety conference are not the people that are generally trying to skirt the laws. But when you think about the mountain of data that starts coming in, it becomes very interesting to think about, you know, what you can do as a lobby group, what ATA can do, what TCA can do when they have all of that data about detention time and, um, you know, how much time drivers are losing uh, at the drop-off and pickup points. And kind of related to that, uh, the issue of truck parking, how much time drivers are spending looking for parking and what's going to happen around that. So um, he had the list up of Atri's top 10 issues, which they post like every year, top 10 issues for people. Nine of those 10 issues actually relate to detention time. Oh, I can I can completely believe that. Because detention things, time is the... It's like congestion. It's um, the boogeyman of It's of hours of service regs. Mm-hmm. It's um, CSA stuff. Like all of these issues that are sort of the top things for carriers. Uh, and detention factors into like nine out of the ten. I think the only one it didn't factor into is like crumbling roads and infrastructure. Um, right. So that I thought was very interesting. So a really good general session there talking about that. Uh, a couple of uh, interesting breakout sessions. And Just on that whole issues for carriers and drivers, I was reading in Truck News. Now, this is a Canadian thing, but apparently the um, the border system where yeah. you do the preclearance, I can't remember. Now I can't. I've, I've written a whole course about it, and I can't remember what it's That's called now. ACI or something? Yeah. Apparently it's going down. Like yeah, the, the systems are really all outdated and uh, they're having all these outages. So these truckers are sitting at the border like oh my god not because they're actually detained not because there's yeah. a lineup because they're waiting for the system to reboot yeah yeah well that's, that's terrible well it's kind of like the federal employees having all of those issues with their payroll system yeah so there are lots of it issues certainly uh in canadian government entities well right i now. think i think that issues like that are going to happen in the states as well. I mean as as like all of these deficits start growing and people are arguing about where money should be spent and then there's going to be backlash and well cuz we saw in Ontario when the government when we had a conservative government a while ago and they just slashed everything mm-hmm. and then about 2 years later then we had the whole water uh, the water well, quality fiasco and all these people the budget, getting but e- then, yeah yeah a bunch of 
pissed off all the teachers who uh, many of them who quit. Uh, oh, but there was the E. coli thing yeah, in Waterton. Water in water was it Waterton? Walkerton. Walkerton. Yeah. That was it. E. coli issues, bad water. Well, the same kind of thing that's happening in Flint and other places as well. So, so where is the balance? There's, yeah, there's a lot of challenges that need to be addressed. And so truck parking, I can see being fairly far down on the list. Yeah, from a which is unfortunate. Yeah. But once they start having a ton of data to really put some numbers around the problem, that will give them some real useful information for advocating. And they'll be able to look at it, not just where the issues are or the, the totality of the issues, but where they're centered. So which mm-hmm. states have the biggest problems, which states uh, are, are the best ones, like all of that kind of stuff, even down to the congressional districts, they would be able to work. I wonder that. if they would be able to solve the problem of different enforcement. Yeah. You know, so some states enforce are harder on certain things and other states aren't. Well, they probably that have that already through CSA. No, they, no they that's track. a big complaint with CSA is that. Um, well, you, you can certainly see where you're getting pulled over for roadsides right? Um, and where you're you know, getting secondary inspection at the scales and things like that. Um, so they probably have the data to start putting it together. But yeah, the ELDs will help with all of that stuff. So that was a kind of interesting. Um, I wonder if that will help also with the whole um, problem between the trucking industry and then the road safety lobby. I mm-hmm. wonder if ELDs will will sort of ease that a little bit because there's always this big, and I've just done an accident scene investigation course. So I've been Mm -hmm. reading a whole bunch of stuff about how, you know, these awful truckers, and this is what happens when you get into an accident with a trucker, you know, call us, don't do this, don't do this, don't speak, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, but on the other side, you know, there's, you know, most of the time trucks are not at fault. So, you know, what do you do? How do you handle yourself? And the whole idea of having the, um, the camera, the in-cab cameras is very, very handy because it's really helping drivers. That was a hot topic. Yeah, for sure. Is uh, talk about cameras in a number of the sessions. And one of the panels in the, I guess it was the Monday morning general session. They had an insurer, a lawyer, a sort of transportation lawyer who litigates cases, and then they had two fleet people talking about sort of driver risk type things and what people are doing in that. It was sort of a general comment uh, or general subject, but it uh, got into the subject of cameras, and everybody there was in favor of cameras for sure. Uh, Certainly the lawyers, certainly the insurance people, and sure enough, there's a question from the audience about, have you seen cases where a nuclear verdict with the cameras negated any value from the cameras, like where they could prove that it was your fault and it was uh, like a catastrophic loss or something like that? Where it was the driver's fault? Yeah. Oh, okay. And the camera sort of proved that it was a driver's fault and sort of ruined all the value that you might have got from it. Um, what which was the response? Of, the response I thought was pretty funny because there, there's always somebody like that who is just looking for the negative and yeah. is just worried about the, you know that kind of thing. But the response uh, was very interesting. First of all, uh, the insurer that was on the panel said, well, if it's a catastrophic situation, it's going to be bad no matter what. Yeah. But the biggest thing is if we see that it's clearly uh, the driver's fault, we're going to push for a settlement rather than going to trial. And even if the settlement is bigger than it, you know, than you would like, 
it's still, you're better to settle than go to court. And yeah. the lawyer was nodding pretty vigorously about <laughs> that as well. Because, and they both said the same thing. You know, the, the cameras help no matter what. Because if it's not your fault, you've got the proof. If it is your fault, then you can settle before you rack up a ton of legal bills. Uh, so And deal with the issue. Because obviously said, there's some failure. They, both of them said they've never seen a situation yet like that, where there is some big verdict where the cameras actually were a negative. Um, the cameras, the benefits outweigh the negatives in every case so far that they've seen. So if you're getting that from the insurer and the lawyer, that's pretty good evidence, uh, pretty good information. And again, the question about sort of what about your standards and what if you don't, uh, you know, if you allow a driver who's not perfect and all of this kind of stuff out on the road. And it's, it's the same thing. The, the lawyer made the really good case about when you get into court, it ends up not being about the driver at all. It's about the company process. So if you've got a good process and you follow that process, it really doesn't matter. He said, I don't really care what your standards are. I don't really care what your hiring criteria is within reason, uh, but you're all pretty much uh, fine. The issue ends up being what is your process and what do you do about it? You know, when there is a problem, how do you identify the problem? What are you doing about it? And that's it? what we in Best Fleets we used to act, ask about hiring process and then we stopped because everybody does exactly the same thing. Exactly. And it's just like, it's just the difference is the amount of detail and space you're going to take up on the uh, on our questionnaire, which, you know, we prefer. We don't really want to read the same thing on every questionnaire. So it's, you know, let's just take that out because it's always the same. Well, I thought it was very interesting when the lawyer said, I'm not that concerned about your criteria. Because that tends to be what the safety people focus on is what's an immediate hiring offense and what do we give you t uh, one or two strikes on, you know, and all of this policy about immediate dismissal and all that because they think that that's going to cover their butt. And the lawyer said, no, that's, that's not even the issue. The issue is, uh, and he had another really good comment uh, where he said, if you can show what you're doing to prevent it, if you're identifying issues and coaching the driver and working with them and trying to help them, then they're not going to hit you too hard because you're a good employer. And then you sort of negates all of that stuff about, um, you know, you being negligent, because if you're a good employer working to develop people, and sometimes it, it pans out and sometimes it doesn't, but if you're doing that, then they're not going to hit you on that sort of uh, that side of the negligence because they can see that you're a good employer. Well, I think it comes back to what we see in a lot of carriers where they want to make everything the driver's problem. So if there's if there's a delay at a shipper, that's a, you know, the driver is getting penalized for that. If there's a problem at the scale, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be that the cargo was loaded improperly and the driver couldn't inspect it or something mm -hmm. like that. It's going to be the driver's problem. If you don't get a clean inspection, it's always the driver's problem, but it's never, you know, is it, you know, where is maintenance's role in that? So, you know, always going down to the driver is not the best way to manage yeah. your company and at when all. when the driver gets into a bad crash, you just immediately turf him. Well, yeah. that's where you get into problems. and Because you haven't solved the problem of why that driver got into that, into that collision. Yeah. What, is the, what is the underlying root cause? Where have, has your company failed that driver and that process? Because that's generally, maybe it's a failure in maintenance. Maybe it's a failure in dispatch. Maybe it's a failure in yeah, safety. Exactly. Yeah, that's could exactly be, it. It could be anywhere. And if you don't look at that, then 
it's uh, that's where lawyers are going to be, you know, zooming well, in for the kill. And one of the other sessions that I went to was the anatomy of a deposition, which a, a trial lawyer talking about that stuff. But it, it really hit on exactly what you're talking about, which is that the people that have these very specific sort of black and white policies that here is the hiring criteria, we'll only hire this, you must have this, and this number of things is fireable, and here's immediate firing offense, all of that kind of stuff, they end up be the ones that get in more trouble because inevitably they're going to have something that diverges from that standard. There's going to be somebody who doesn't quite meet the standard uh, but looks good, or they're going to have somebody who should be fired, but well, he's always been a good driver. So we're going to keep him around. He's really, uh, he's a good guy. He's a trainer and uh, uh, he's really productive and all of that stuff. And they keep him and that's where they get into trouble because they've got these black and white policies that they're not uh, upholding. Whereas the people that are more squishy about some of that stuff. But um, also do the measurement properly and and have a process in place for evaluating and and yeah. providing feedback and, and so, doing all of that. Yeah. You look at, um, you know, the fleet that uh, uh, always freaks people out is, is Bison Transport talking about the things that they do and how they don't have, they don't have a three strikes policy and they don't have like a hard and fast set of criteria. And sometimes they intentionally hire people that don't meet their hiring criteria just so that they can test their training system. Well, actually they did that. And now that's kind of their policy is that what they do is they um, will take people who don't meet their criteria and put them in a training program mm-hmm. so that the criteria they don't meet, they bring them up to standard and then yeah. then it's fine. They've got a, a counseling service and they've got coaching and training. So it goes back to what the lawyer said about how you can't really argue that they're a bad employer or that they're negligent in um all of the stuff that they do because they've got these clear processes and it's clearly working because they keep winning these safety awards and things and their numbers are good, but they've got such a rigorous process around how they help their drivers that you can't really argue that they're negligent in that area. So I find that very interesting. And there's a lot of fleets there that are sort of that old school mentality of the driver, they do this, they're out. And there's a lot of talk about like handheld and distracted and things like that. You know, oh, yeah, we catch you using one device, you're out. That's immediate hiring, immediate firing offense. If uh, even if you're using a hands-free, even with the Bluetooth, if you're doing that while the vehicle's moving, we'll find out about it, you're fired. And they totally, but then at the same time, um, they say, well, these are the situations where you're allowed to pick up a phone and use call 911. So they're not really doing the educational part of it. They're just saying, here's the rules. You break the rules, you're out with no yes. coaching alongside it. So they end up being the ones. Or education, that, uh, because you need to sort of give people the uh, the information so that they can make the decision. Yeah. So say, this is when it's safe. This is when it's not safe. Here's how you deal with it. Do some training around the process mm-hmm. and give the tools to the driver to make that decision. When you have the guessing game or if, am I following this rule or am I breaking this rule? And the list of rules is like 500 lines long. No one is going to be able yeah, to remember that. Remember that's that just terrible management. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's punishment. No wonder people will quit. Yeah. You know, they won't know why. They'll just feel like they're under a lot of pressure and that they can't perform and that they could perform in a different environment. So it's, it's, uh, it is what we find over and over and over again with Best Fleets is that the companies who are doing more of a, 
more of a process oriented thing where people are coached and 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 developed mm-hmm. they don't leave as much yeah. yeah so i thought some of that content was very interesting um some good sessions there some good points coming up in them that sort of reinforce some of the things that we've been hearing from other corners as well so uh my only real beef with that uh, event is that it's shrinking and there's not that many people and half of them are vendors so there's not really a lot of carriers there and uh if I'm going to give up, you know, a long weekend and go somewhere and work, uh, it would be nice if there was a little bit more attendance there. So I know that is something that they're talking about, something that they've sort of got some plans to address in the future, and that'll be great. So uh, hopefully the attendance can get up next year and uh, get more people out to see some of these good sessions and and that sort of thing. So that's what I've been up to for the past uh, week or so, uh, getting ready for that. Um, You've been very busy as well in a whole other area, haven't you? I are you talking about the media? You've been media queen. I've been for the media past queen. Two yes, two weeks or so. I think longer than that because I've been uh, talking to journalists as well as doing the uh, writing up some some pieces for that will be in uh, publication. So a CCJ article just came out about driver retention using um, technology. And uh, I talked about our survey tool that we use. In addition to the fact that um, Best Fleets tends to use, I mean, that's kind of one of the best practices that we've seen is that if you want to if you want to increase driver retention, the first thing that you want to do is find out what's going on. And so the best way to do that, if you can't get all your drivers in to have a personal chat with them, is do a survey. Give them an online survey of you know one or two questions. Um, trying to think of what the other things that I've been talking. Oh, we did. Uh, didn't- oh, you've got your first uh, editorial coming up in Transport Topics next week. Yeah, next Monday that comes out. Oh, does it? Yeah. Oh, okay. And that's the one about treating drivers like second-class that's citizens. Right. Yes, second-class citizen, or how to avoid making drivers feel like second-class citizens, and all of the subtle things that people do yeah the physical barriers the social uh, barriers all of that kind of yeah Uh, so you had that you also you talked to heavy duty trucking about something about idling yes we're talking about idling and and i thought that was a an interesting conversation because when when we look at best fleets it's not about idling anymore it's about increasing your in increasing your mileage and it used to be about idling. It used to be about how much you let your, like your environmental impact and how much you let your, let your trucks run to basically keep people warm or cool or whatever. But it has, the focus has really changed. And Mm. so now there's, that's part of your performance package. It's part of, uh, you know, benchmarking drivers can see, you know, basically there's sometimes competitions. So drivers, it's posted every month and you can see where you stand in the, in the, uh, in the fleet. You can also, uh, it's also, there's different ratings for different types of vehicles. So carriers are doing that. So it's, it was a way more involved issue than just idling. Although yeah. there are, you know, there are, basically there's equipment in the cab now that prevents idling mm-hmm. because if you have a heater or an air conditioner in your bunk then you don't need to idle your truck mm-hmm. so there's no idling and yeah. it's just everybody's nothing. got apus now 
I know. So it's it was an interesting conversation. Um, and what I think is funny is that I have these hour and a half long conversations with with people, and you end up getting yeah, you get like three paragraphs, and I'm like, oh yeah, I may have told you to, I may have talked too much there. So uh, yeah, but they only have so much space, and they're probably talking for a half hour or forty five minutes to lots of different people, like that CCJ article where they talk to. I mean, probably four or five different people and all of those people are going to have some ideas and they're going to shape the story a little bit. And so I think all of that conversation gets put into the pot and simmers and then the story comes out of it with bits from everybody. Which is kind of what happens with us where we start the stories we tell about best fleets. And one of my difficulties with um, trying to figure out what stories to tell is that we have so much we can we can go and get data to find out something about anything you want i mean we have <laughs> there's very little that we don't collect data yeah. on in terms of um in terms of programs and things that are happening in a driver's life we get a really good picture i mean we have a hundred 110, 115 questions in that yeah. questionnaire. And then we have another 35 or 40 in the driver survey. Yeah. So um, our PR company is asking um, yeah, for talking points. Way, I they? know. They asked for talking points and they and they basically um, asked, yep. you know, can you give us talking points on, on, you know, all of these sections of the program, which is basically... All of it. Yeah. So we think that they may have been wanting, you know, a couple bullet points uh, for each section. So maybe a page. I did do a bullet point for each section. Would you give them like six pages or something like that? I think it was eight. (laughs) But you know what? Tough nuggies. You asked for it. Like, this is what we've got. We have got information on just about everything you can figure out. And what happens is when we do our presentations, for workforce builders, when we do our webinars and things like that, we are taking information out. Like we're just getting the stuff we want to know. Mm-hmm. If someone asks, we'll go get that there's stuff. E- yeah, there's I even mean, more. Sure. Well, back when I used to do the cross country speaking tour to share the, the findings each year, and those I would do two to two and a half hours just sort of reviewing all of the data. Somebody early on referred to it as uh, having a fire hose turned on them. And they just felt like that's what was coming at them with the amount of information that was there. And they would regularly take six to eight pages of notes in one of these uh, one of these events. So, yeah, there's just a lot of stuff out there. And we only ever scratched the surface a little bit. And what I found was so we're doing we're doing this workforce builders um thing about having trucking as a mission, and I'll, I won't say very much about it, but I started looking at some of the data differently, mm-hmm. and it was like, oh, well, that's interesting. Because when I do comparisons between what the best fleets are doing, what the top 20 are doing, compared to what everybody else is doing, that's a big... Yeah, which is something that you started can... doing this year that really opens a lot of doors on different areas. Oh, yeah. Um, in terms of pay... Pay is about the same for everybody, but guaranteed pay is much more common in the in the uh, in the top twenty. There was something and stuff we don't score on. So hmm. this happens, and uh, pay is a guaranteed pay. We do score points on, but um, there was something that I was looking at, which was support of charitable causes or hmm. community events. We don't score that. We just get that information. Um. And what I found was overwhelmingly, 
the top 20 are massively involved in community and charity. Hmm. Just they are supporting so many different, all sizes. It doesn't matter if you're tiny or huge. There are multiple things. They're doing it all the time. It's part of their, it's part of their being. And then you look at the rest of the finalists and a third of them are doing nothing. Hmm. So that is a huge difference, and we don't even score it. So if we scored that, oh, yeah. then the top 20 would be even further ahead yeah. of everybody else. Interesting. I, I, I don't know if that's a really a scoring thing. What we do is we score whether what drivers want is incorporated into what the mm-hmm. companies are doing because it's a driver-oriented thing. Whether somebody's a charitable organization or not, doesn't necessarily we didn't think that it made a difference to a driver's life but maybe it does well that's what we're going to explore we are yeah so in our uh, workforce builders session uh, all of that those bullet points that you're putting together and everything that was for a radio show right yes yes uh dave nemo yeah part of dave nemo's is the tmc okay so Uh, it's going to be like a tmc focused thing so we'll probably end yes. up narrowing down to like maintenance type stuff. Uh, it's fine. I mean, I can talk about that too. Sure. I, I basically wanted to give our PR company enough information that they could make a choice, a better choice about what I could mm-hmm. talk about. Because yeah. I can talk about all kinds of things. But if you yeah. don't tell me what it is that you want to focus on, I won't necessarily have the best sure. stats. And that it's kind like of a buffet. Pick the things you want. Yeah. Yeah, you want well, the Kung Pao chicken or do you want the fried chicken? It's a very different, it's or chicken. Or the chicken fried chicken. Or the chicken, yeah. Deep fried, coated yeah. with the Mars bar in the yeah. middle, yeah. Yeah, but it's different. It's a different beast and you need to, I need to know. Just yeah. we just collect, I mean, it's huh. unfathomable. So that actually, that's the second sort of maintenance related thing that's come up in the past because you just finished doing an article um, for another maintenance magazine that won't hit until August or right. September. Then, and that one's talking about how um, the best practices around getting the maintenance people and drivers working together right. and sort of touches on a little bit of our course, our inspections course, and why you built it the way you did and why you structured that content the way you did, but also about the importance of having drivers and the maintenance people working together and, and how some of the best fleets are doing that. Yeah. I think my, my mantra, is it mantra or mantra? I think it's mantra. The thing I say all the time is mantra. Yeah. Is that the more that the company is working together, like Mm -hmm. more, the less that you are siloed, the more you're going to get out at the end. It seems like something that isn't all that um, important, but Mm -hmm. it is, it's huge. It's, It's huge. I mean, if you're only bonusing one section of your workforce for something that is uh, affected by a whole bunch of different people outside that group, then that makes no difference to the company's performance as a whole. Mm -hmm. Well, it's going to end up backfiring or it's going to end up having problems because the people that are bonused on it will be getting the bonus on the things they can that they have control over, but they end up getting frustrated about the other elements that they don't have control over that negatively impact right. their bonuses. And then thing it's just like there's a certain amount of luck. And the more that you ignore all of the other forces that contribute to success, then that amount of luck is 
you need more luck, basically. It needs to, everything needs to be a perfect storm. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to have everything in place in order to get your bonus. But if you can't control that, that's hugely frustrating. And, and when drivers are frustrated, they leave. I mean, mm-hmm. that's pretty much what I found so, is if they're frustrated and angry, they're well, out of there. It's funny. You just made a couple of statements in there that very nicely seg into another topic that I wanted to talk about today. It was, it was almost like it was planned. Well, I don't think it was because I don't no, think you it's realized never what you were saying. <laughs> but what do you, you mean? Com- I, I you know what I'm saying. You made a comment about uh, the more people are working together, the better the company works or something like that. And when they're not working all together, there are problems. See, I don't even remember the exact wording of it. but it, Because it was just came it, out so yeah, smoothly. It did. And then, oh, when people are not happy, they leave. You know, when all of that stuff isn't working properly, when uh, there's uh, breakdowns in those, then people end up getting frustrated and, and leaving. And it just was so nicely said as a perfect description of one of the other things that I wanted to talk about today, which is a recent example of how not to do communication, not even from trucking. Oh, no. Compliments of the school system. (laughs) And everybody is nodding their heads going, yes. Yes. Yeah, so anybody that has kids in the school system, any probably, school system, uh, any school, any school system, system in North America, I'm sure has uh, great examples of how not to communicate. Uh, but we have one particularly oh, <laughs> good man. one uh, recently, uh, and so the background on this, I'll give sort of the, I'll try and do like a, a very short summary, a background of the the thing, and then you can kind of fill in the the fun parts. So, uh, our daughter is really big into drama. And this, uh, in the region that we're in, there are designated schools. There are two schools, one at the north end, one at the south end of the region, that have specialized arts programs for kids that are really into either drama, visual arts, music, music yeah. dance, that kind of thing. So you have to audition to get in there. And it's you have the same um, core curriculum that everybody has, but all of the electives are focused on these particular areas of major. So she's in the drama program um, at this school, which should be a bit of a big deal. This is supposedly the premier program, drama program in in this part of the region. Um, So you would expect that it would be really something special, a a level above what you get anywhere else. Um, And we're coming up to the end of her first year in this program, and it has been anything but a premier program. It's been disappointing. Yeah, it is unendingly disappointing for a couple of very simple, straightforward reasons that there is no communication. Zero. So other classes, so it's semesters, four classes each semester, and each semester, drama is the only class that we get absolutely zero information from. All of the other teachers will regularly send an email blast uh, to the, the parents, and it includes sort of a, an outline of upcoming uh, assignments and tests and things like that. So parents are in the loop and usually includes your kids uh, like Mark up to that point. So you can see the trends and stuff. Yep. It's and fantastic. also and those um, all of those marks when they're updated, when we get the updates, they're also posted. Yeah, they're posted into the online systems, whether it's Teach Assist or Google Classroom or Moodle, or they all have their different tools that they're using, but there's all this information that's there. So you really have a good sense of what's going on, um, but not drama. Oh, no. <laughs> drama, there's like next to nothing that comes home at the beginning of the semester. There's no information during the semester. I don't think that we get anything at the beginning. 
I don't remember anything. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that there that was something may, that there that may have been a page. We kind of scanned through and then, because uh, there was something about how the stuff was going to be posted to the Google Classroom, but that's inconsistent. No information, no news about upcoming announcements or, or deadlines or tests or any of that stuff. And what's really bizarre is the final exam in drama, rather than being during exam week in June when everybody else in the school is doing it, the final exam, for whatever reason, is happening this week near the end of May. And it's not even during school. It's after hours. It's in the evening. So, And you would think... That think. there would be multiple notices sent home you think about this. That'd be the this? kind of thing that you'd want to notify parents about. Yeah, um, I don't know how everybody knows about it. It's crazy. I don't think they do. I mean, I'm sure there are problems. Um, we cannot be the only ones that are having issues. So we had conflicts because it wasn't posted, and we have so much stuff happening that we have it all organized and it's all in the calendar a month or two in advance. And then surprise, uh, your kid has to be available for a couple of nights over the next two weeks to rehearse, do technical rehearsals and actually do the exam. And I'm like, what the heck? This is a problem because we've got other things happening um, and other activities that, uh, that our daughter is involved in and stuff like that. So what really struck me I guess this morning about it, because this has been like a huge source of frustration. And on top of it, you can't get a hold of the teacher. So the teacher for much teacher, of the year. Oh, yeah. We couldn't meet her at meet the teacher. Getting, yeah. She wasn't around at meet the teacher night for much of the year. She wasn't receiving email. And she said, uh, yeah, I never check my voicemail because I don't have a phone in the classroom. So you can't email. You can't leave a voice message. How are you supposed to contact them? And they don't show up at meet the teacher night. So you know, it's just, you're just in this vacuum. And what really occurred to me, um, this morning is sort of hit me uh, why this is such a great example of how not to do things is that the, the biggest problem around this, I think is the fact that we have other things to compare it to. If every class was like that, we would just say, okay, well, that's how the school system works and it'd be annoying, but you find ways around it. What really makes this jarring is the fact that every other class is so nicely organized and you get lots of communication from them. You get stuff at the beginning of the semester. You get regular communication um, in advance of anything that's happening. You know what's going on. And our son goes to a different school. Lots of great information there as well. So we've got that to compare. And the third thing is that we have friends that are in the other art school at the other end of the region in the same program, uh, in ninth grade um, drama majors. So we see what they're doing in terms of their assignments, how much information they're getting, what the expectations are. So when we put all of those pieces together, like it really, um, it's very glaring how disorganized and substandard this particular program is. But I think the same thing applies in the workplace, that if people don't have any information on anything, if everything is sort of at an equal level of crappiness, you kind of get used to it. And if the only way that you can get information is from one source who is not available all the time, and then it just ends up being rumor. Yeah. That's well, how... that causes problems, yeah, because here we have a lot of half information that comes from other kids about what's going on and, and things like that. But it also occurred to me that this kind of explains a little bit of why we have every year we, in the best fleets program, we have some fleets that really aren't doing much of any anything. They don't have a lot in the way of programs. They don't do much communication. Um, you know, they're really... They, you wonder how they got in there, but their drivers are happy and nobody's leaving. And it occurs to me that it's a little bit of that, well, the drivers don't know what they're missing. 
You know, they've been there. A lot of them have been there for a while. Um, and it's always been that way and they've figured it out. They figured out how to work around it. And maybe the, the company has got a particular type of freight that the drivers like, so that's good enough and they stick around. But the, uh, when you sort of open their eyes and say, Hey, you know, you could be getting this, you mm-hmm. could be getting a weekly report on how well you're doing compared to everybody else. You could be regular coaching program, all of the other things that you could be doing. That's sort of a whole different thing. So the companies. Sometimes that even the companies that are finalists or make it to the best fleets have a lot of things happening and they're making effort in all of these areas. But any one of those things that is sort of a little less than perfect, that's the thing that drivers kind of complain about. You know, oh, I don't get good communication from the shop. Well, actually, your shop is doing better than many of these other ones are, but it's all relative. So I thought it was a really good example of how not to do things. You know, if you're going to have the premier program, if you want to be sort of the pinnacle of something, have your have your act together. Yeah. Communicate, uh, post things online so people can be aware of it. And I guess the other side of that is recognize that it's not just the primary person who needs to know. You know, in our case, we're talking about the school, and it's not just the student who needs to know, but the parents need to be involved as well. Especially in ninth grade. Yeah, at, that, at this age, the kids are they're 14 years old. They're not, they're not getting to school and back without somebody driving them. You know, if you're picking up, if your kid's at school until 10 o'clock at night, you kind of need to know that stuff because you're not going to have them walking home in the dark. I mean, our school is it's a 10-minute uh, drive away, so we're not going to have our, our kid walking home or anything like that. Um, so you need to know that, but even in the business, it's the same thing. Yeah. The driver needs to know, but the spouse needs to know the family needs to be aware of what's going on. And, and there's a larger community that's sort of part of it. So and there's a, so many, there's so many systems that help you communicate. I mean, the school already has an entire system. Yeah. They get probably four different systems. For well, teach assist is the one that they all use that our board is this particular piece of software. So it's not like there's no system. Yeah. It's not like, you know, and this particular teacher says that we hear through the grapevine that it's posted. Posted where? Well, apparently it's posted physically inside the classroom, which. But my, only our daughter helps. can't find it. Well, because they moved classrooms halfway through the semester. <laughs> so. Really. And, and, you know, to, to be fair, our daughter is not exactly the most organized in um, times. But. Yeah, it's a she's a drama major. How many of them are? I know. I mean, that's well, one of this the is the other thing. Yes, they have to learn it, but you can't learn something without some support at home. Yeah, you like, don't so, just chuck them into the deep end. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. And hope that they learn to swim. But there are other problems with the school in terms of communication, mm-hmm. which is uh, which so, have been again, a, a little alarming. It's all it's all relative when you have uh, comparisons, and you can say, you know, why does it take more than a day for the vice principal to acknowledge an email and just say, Hey, I'll look into it. You know, when other schools are able to do that within an other, hour, other larger schools are able to do that within an hour. So yes. Um, and I think tying this back to sort of the, the workplace again, it's going to be the same thing. The drivers are going to hear, uh, from other drivers at other companies. Well, that sucks. You know, I get communication all the time. I get all of this information. So, um, you know, it, it is, it was a great example of, of uh, how not to do things. And uh, so it makes me want to make sure that I'm posting all of the stuff within our internal systems and making sure that everybody's in the loop. Well, I also had a, an interesting adventure with uh, an online storage 
oh, thing yes. as well, where I had bought a couple more users and then I tried to take one away and then basically got a message saying, okay, you can do that, but we're going to charge you more. <laughs> and I was like, what? Yeah. What are really you talking crappy. about? And, and they just were doing this. I am the happy support person and I am just going to tell you how much you have to pay and that's it. And like absolutely no consideration at all. Yeah. It's for the fact that I have eight accounts in there. <laughs> like it's yeah. eight, like Going down to seven, I'm going to lose my discount. Yeah, really? Like well, it's really way, that much of an issue? Like they're not getting rich off of our eight accounts, or or yeah. Well, Even they're if, definitely well, they're definitely not going to now because uh, as soon as our <laughs> soon contract, as contract is, is up, up I'm out of there. Yeah, because I mean, they have had no. I've had no response that is even somewhat helpful. And mm. this is what happens, especially with online stuff, is that it it gets to be really impersonal. And unless you, I mean, if I was going to be, um, if I was going to be penalized for, for reducing my users, then tell me, mm -hmm. tell me when I like, that should be the first thing. It should be an auto reply. If you want to delete your users, then these are our policies and you have to dig for those policies. It's not, it, yeah. and they, and also the company didn't even give me a link to the policy because I'm complaining that I didn't know this policy. So can someone, where is this? They well, completely think, ignored that part of it. And you would think that as a service thing that somebody would call you and say, hey, or send email and say, you know, I'd like to call you and, and make sure that all this is clear. Are you around at some point? Oh, no. You know, nothing. It's just... You know, you but almost then, wonder if it's a bot that's just answering automatically. Yeah, I think it is. I think for a, in a lot of cases it is. I've also found that the original account reps that I had, uh, well, there's four people who have touched our account in two years, and two of them are gone. <laughs> yeah. Two of them gone never the get, never got back to me, yeah. and so that's basically either the company is in financial trouble, yeah, and I should get out of there, or they don't really care about my business and so I should get out of there. Yeah, and their people don't stick around, which is another bad sign. It's a yeah, it is a very bad sign. So but that's a, yeah. So that's an example of what we try and do the opposite of. We do because we know. do not penalize people for wanting to reduce their numbers because we well, well we not I mean that. there are price there's prices for yeah. certain but they can, people can see all of that because they can self-manage their licenses and they can see that what the impact is going to be and uh, we don't really I don't think we ever increase the price per user. Well, there's a couple of places where they might hit a threshold where that would happen, but they would see it immediately. And more importantly, if they contacted support, uh, they would immediately get, well, within an hour, they're going to get a, a, an email or a call back. I mean, depending on who's doing it. I mean, Tommy's very good about uh, staying on top of that stuff when he's working with people. Nina just loves the phone anyway, so she's going to call them. And, <laughs> she's like the only person in our company who loves the phone. But she's going to call them and have a chat with them and you know learn about their life and all of that kind of stuff and uh, become their friend. But make sure that everybody understands what's going on and make sure they're happy with it. And yeah, well, yeah, those are instructive experiences because they're so annoying that you come out of it thinking, okay, I want to make sure we never do that. Yeah. Oh, so. definitely. It's... Uh yeah, the online storage, uh, what do you call it? Like the 
all of the different products. Mm. Like there, there's a lot of different ones. A lot of options. There, there is a lot of options. Yeah. And they're all starting to look the same. So <laughs> it's a commodity. It's like, you don't want, you don't want my online storage business? Okay, I'm going to yeah. go and do this. And they did a contract too. So it's like a year. Oh, so old school. I know. Is. And that's what I want to get out of there as well. Is contracts are ridiculous. Yeah, that's Especially the in the online world. Like yeah. get over it. That that means that you're worried that I'm going to find out that you suck. Yeah. And that I'm going to want to get out of it in two months. So. Yeah. And when I find out that you suck, you want me to be trapped in here so I can't immediately yeah. leave. Now, I am pretty positive that the next company that, that we're thinking of going to, which is sync.com, which is actually a Canadian company, which is one of its pluses for me, like having our storage charged us in Canadian dollars and having it. Well, lo- and you also like, want to kind of support local businesses yeah. when you can. Sure. You know, I'm happy to do that. I mean, we, we support a whole lot of U.S. businesses, too. I mean, our yeah. main, our main. Most of uh, our IT is. There. Yeah, is in the U.S. But so this is just for our basically file server stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, I would like to move it to this uh, other company and they probably have the same thing. They probably have a policy where, you know, if you want to reduce your users, then I don't know. I'm sure there's something, but at least now I'm going into it with my eyes open. I have learned that (laughs) these are the pitfalls that online storage places will not tell you about. All right. Well, we should move on to something more positive now that we've had 25 minutes of ranting about all the things that annoy us. So on hey, we we side, related it back to yeah yeah we things. always find a way to relate it as an excuse to continue the rant, but uh, we've we've had a good rant and we have some positive things that we can talk about for a bit because I was talking you don't like it when I talk I was ranting as much as you were okay yeah I was ranting about the school system as much as anything else <laughs> but the reason that I ended up dealing with boxes because of you. Okay, I don't You remember. with the, we should just decree, we should get rid of one of our users. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that just opened up a whole yeah. lot of unproductive time for me. No, we've learned a lot. We have learned a lot. Um, and you've maybe found a better system. So and it's been very productive. I also can apply it, the experience to a whole lot of different best fleet scenarios. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing like bad service that will yeah. just make you want to talk about it over and yeah. over and over again. And I have to say that the one company that really, um, remember that time that we went to that keg restaurant that, mm. and we had that miserable experience yeah. and they fixed it? Yeah. That was the they best turnaround mm-hmm. that uh, I've ever seen. I can't remember how they fixed it, but we um, still go to the keg and we love it. Well, they gave us... Um, they sent us a letter of apology and like a, a coupon Yeah. and said, please call us to make reservations. But then when we called it and made, we made the reservation to go in there, then the manager also came over and apologized again and, uh, you know, was really clearly uh, talking about how they had the things that they had done to, to fix the problem and sort of the changes and thanked us for coming back and like all of that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, they basically gave us a, uh, I don't know, some freebies, and uh, but made it clear that they recognized the issue and they made uh, made things uh, different, made some changes to improve the situation. I think the big difference in bad service and good service is whose fault the company makes you, like the whose fault the company or who is placed at fault. Hmm. So is it my fault that the company 
that I don't know how to reduce users? Is it my fault mm. that I got a bad experience at a restaurant? Because I will complain. Like, this is the thing. I am I am not shy about saying, you know, I paid money for this, so I should, I should get something in return. And what I felt like with Box.com, which don't ever use. Now, like, I used to think they were pretty good, but now I'm like, no. Um, that was, it was my fault. And yeah. with the keg... It was their fault. Yeah. They made it their fault. They didn't make it my fault. And this is the same thing that we see with Best Fleets. Is this mm-hmm. the driver's fault or is it is it the company's right. fault? And it's kind of what we were talking about at the beginning with um, with collisions and right. and all of these incidents. Whose fault is it? Is it yeah. the driver's fault? Is it a fault of yeah. the person or is it a fault of the system? Is it a, a corporate breakdown that has been made the fault of the driver? Exactly. You know, is it a corporate breakdown that's dumped on the customer? And as you can well, see... People don't take kindly to the fact that a corporate breakdown is being blamed on them. Well, adding something else into the mix there, because we had another experience over the past month that fits into that squarely. And that was our um, our nightmare flight coming back from Washington at the beginning of May. So we went down to uh, visit with TCA and have some meetings with them. And we were supposed to just kind of do an, an in and out. We went down, I think. On it's a, an hour flight from on, Toronto. Yeah, we went down on a Wednesday night, stayed over, had meetings on Thursday. And then uh, we we're going to fly back on the Thursday afternoon. Well, we get to the airport on the Thursday afternoon and find out the flight has been canceled and there's no other flights that day. Um, so they automatically rebook you and stuff like that, which sucks because they rebook you on a flight like Saturday, which I didn't want to stay there for another two days. Uh, all of the indirect flights were booked as well. So, all right, back to the hotel we go and we're staying over and we managed to get on a flight. It was like a 1 PM flight, uh, on the Friday afternoon. Well, we got on that 1 PM. Well, it was supposed to be 1250. We started boarding at about 10 after one for, because it was delayed half an hour and then uh, it sat on the runway for probably four hours. Uh, well, it was back and forth. It was on the runway. Then it was back at the gate. And it was, okay, we're leaving at three. No, we're leaving at six. Okay, no, now we're leaving at four. Now we're leaving at five. It was just like back and forth endlessly on what's going on because there was weather problems, weather delays in Toronto with bad rainstorm. Uh, so they had all of that happening. And Eventually, I think we ended up landing at 6.30 p.m., so like a full 24 hours delayed. But every single time, you know, the pilots were getting pretty exasperated as well. Because, I think they were running out of hours. Well, they had to that be concerned our, about it. That yeah. was our But they were having to keep coming on uh, the PA and telling people, okay, I got more bad news for you. And you could tell his demeanor every time he got on the yeah. on the microphone. <laughs> you could tell whether it was going to be good or bad because he had this way of speaking. Yeah. And that's how that's how much we got to know what the, yeah. the captain sounded like. But what was interesting, going back to your story, is that they never said, sorry. They never mm-hmm. said, we apologize. They never like, accepted blame or anything like that. They never um, made any kind of statement that would suggest they were in any way at fault with this. They just said every single time the same phrase, we appreciate your patience with this. And they use that exact same phrase every single time. But at the same time, the fault, I think, from what I, from what I can sort of gather from other stories and things like that, it wasn't the air, it wasn't the pilot's fault. No, it, it wasn't, wasn't. It wasn't even the airline's fault. It was air traffic control in Toronto as a result of weather. Well, actually, it is the airline's fault because the, there is a lane, uh, sorry, a runway closed at Pearson, but they're still selling tickets. 
well, they had already sold the tickets. But they're, yeah, still, they're, still, they're still having the flight scheduled. Yeah, they're still having the flight scheduled. Yeah. I don't know. It's oh, hard to know, but it <laughs> was... I'd rather have that than have them come back and say, okay, we canceled another one. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah. But it was... It, I, it didn't bother me when they said, thank you for your patience and didn't no, apologize. I, I mean... It didn't bother me. I just, I thought it was interesting, sort of coming back to your story where you've got the good one who says it was our fault and the bad one who says, well, you didn't read it properly, it's your fault. And here we've got something in the middle where there's no blame being assigned, um, you know, nobody's saying anything, they're not apologizing, and it kind of comes back to your accident scene course about what to say and not say. Don't uh, blame anybody else and don't accept blame yourself. That's kind of what they're doing very nicely. But it just, I heard it so many times that I got, um, it kind of stuck thinking in my about head. Why? Like, huh, why are you saying that? Interesting. Because as a passenger, I'm kind of wanting to hear them say, I'm sorry for the inconvenience or we apologize for this poor experience that you're having. But they weren't doing any of that. And I guess I can kind of see why, because then they end up getting sued. Uh, or somebody is like demanding a some sort of restitution because they've been inconvenienced. But uh, I, I thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah. And I can, I don't know. I think it, I think that saying that not calms the situation, but diffuses it a little bit. It definitely does. But when people come back at you and basically say, um, where they don't say anything like that, Mm -hmm. they don't say, they don't acknowledge that there's, there's even an issue. So Eric can't like those pilots were acknowledging there's an issue. I mean, it's hard not to, when you're sitting in the middle of a runway and not taking off, um, they acknowledge the issue. They acknowledge that it was frustrating. Mm -hmm. They did what they could. Yeah. Which is not much, but they at least gave us drinks. Well, and, and what was nice about it, sort of diffusing the situation, is it made it sort of clear that we're all in this together. Yeah. Like they're stuck in it with us, and the flight attendants are stuck in it as well. Like, all of us are inconvenienced by this thing. It's not just the passenger as a result of a stupid airline or something. It's everybody, we're stuck in this, and it is what it is, and we appreciate your patience not blaming us, basically. It was kind of one of those things where it was just so many different things affecting yeah. it. Because if Pearson had, I mean, if it, it was raining pretty good. I mean, that was not a well, nice, I think the, the it was issue, not nice weather when we got there. I think a big part of it ended up being the wind direction, because it forced them to use certain runways that they have fewer of, so they could do less, and so they had to balance their inbound flights and takeoffs and things. So, anyway... I know. Um, and when you said that we were going to stop talking about it, and then I basically kept talking about it. And then I added more onto it. I know, in our <laughs> in our lovely way. But I think everybody has their versions of, her, you know, one, horrendous flights and two, horrendous service. Because for some reason, our brains tend to hang on to those oh, yeah. grudges like it's yeah. no tomorrow. <laughs> well, we talked about a positive one. So we tried to balance true. it. That's true. And it's funny it. how you, our behavior with regard to the keg didn't change because of that because if they had been as obnoxious because all of the kegs in in our area are owned by the same person basically mm-hmm. so i would have really wanted to stop going to the keg if they hadn't dealt with it so nicely mm-hmm. i mean i was all over you know i'm never going to the keg again i don't know where we're going to find any other steak but yeah. around here but you know i'm sure we will and i will go and find alternatives but um because they diffused it so nicely one i haven't stopped our like our behavior hasn't changed with regard to going to the keg mm-hmm. and two i can't even remember what happened <laughs> Although, you know except that 
You know, there was an issue, but it got resolved. So I'm happy. But with the stuff that we are unhappy with. Yeah. Oh, that's a story forever. (laughs) You remember back in Samuel's 14? Yeah. So shifting gears, because we've been going for a while uh, on this, and we should sort of shift it back to um, the one thing, the one remaining thing that was on our list that we wanted to talk about that we've teased a few times. Workforce uh, builders? Yes, we should talk about that and not go on and on endlessly today with all of our service problems. So, workforce builders. Oh, I forget what we were going to say about we that. We have a workforce builders <laughs> conference coming up, which is uh, TCA's conference for HR. Um, yeah, it's largely an HR conference. But they have streams for recruiting and retention and fleet management and sort of general HR and legal and things like that. Really, it's just an HR conference with a bunch of things that are sort of happening together. I don't think that retention and HR should be separate things. I, I don't think retention is a thing on its own. I think it's a, a whole part of HR. But they have streams for all of these different types of things that are happening. Yeah, retention seems to be something mostly made up by the trucking industry. Yeah. It's like if you have one person there who who presses the right buttons and retention will be fixed. And of course it doesn't work like that. So anyway, we are going to go there and pontificate on these very subjects for many, many hours because we have an intensive session that we're doing on the first day, uh, which will be purely best fleets related content. And people will get to do a little bit of their own. But yeah, the intensive sessions, uh, what TCA likes to do is make them interactive as well. So Mm -hmm. we've got some group exercises that we're going to be having people go through and doing some questions that are part of the actual uh, Best Fleets evaluation so people can sort of think about that. Yeah, you get some feedback on how we look at the answers and, and... And I think we were going to give them a handout of the questionnaire yes, or something like that they're going to get well. a, quest- a copy of the questionnaire. The cu- questionnaire from last year. Yeah. The questionnaire... The most recent one. Yeah. For September is probably going to be... Yeah, we'll change it again. Slightly different. Well, because they all have the answers. They've figured out all the answers, so well, we have to change it. I don't know. I, I was thinking about that um, this morning about, you know, oh, maybe they'll just figure out the answers or figure out the right answers. But, you know, we have this way of asking questions to find out if people are um, not not telling us the whole truth. Well, the other thing is there is no right answer. It's really about here's what everybody is doing now. Here's the most elaborate thing that somebody's doing in that area, and here's the most basic. Uh, some people try to, when they don't have a program, they try to sort of oh, know, yeah. talk around how they don't have a program, but they're just so friendly and open that anybody can talk to anybody. Yeah. So, which we means see through that. you have no program. So, yeah. and if they say they do have a program, we ask what that program is. <laughs> yeah. So, you better have a good answer for it. And if you are going to make up the answer to, you know, your program for mm-hmm. whatever, you may as well implement it. I mean, if you're going to make it up to, you know, put it in best fleets, you may as well give it to your drivers. Well, the other thing good. is, if they say they have it, we're going to look for evidence of it in the driver survey, too. So, yeah, it gets to be tricky. Uh, so that's the first intensive session on the first day. I guess that's on a, the Tuesday, June 13th. And on Wednesday, June 14th, we're doing another intensive session for those people that aren't sick of hearing us talk. And this one... I think this is kind of an interesting one because it's not something we would have come up with on our own. They asked us to lead this because it was a subject that sort of came up that they wanted to explore, and that is the idea of making driving sort of more than a job. Those fleets that really have a way to make it kind of a mission. 
And it came up out of comments um, through the Reese Across America program where some uh, drivers had commented that they really feel like they're giving back to society and that they're doing something more for the greater good. So we were exploring the different ways that fleets use the trucking profession or the the driving job for the greater good, whether it's Highway Angel, um, Reese Across America, Truckers Against Trafficking, and we've got a handful of them that were... Disaster relief. Disaster relief, yeah. So uh, we've got some of that, and you've done some research into a bunch of different things related to that already, haven't you? Yeah, because that's what I end up doing is start reading and then go on tangents and find related things. So I've been looking at a couple of things. One is the whole reasoning behind why people are motivated to volunteer, Hmm. because trucking tends to have a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of that kind of giving back that goes on in trucking, just in general. And there's a couple of reasons for that. I think that there are are different... um, I think it's related to geography, but it's also related to the fact that transportation is something that communities need and charities need. And and anybody who's doing some sort of big endeavor, transportation is a big part of it. So they probably have a lot more opportunity. You don't have to go looking like, for example, if if we wanted to participate in some sort of uh, charitable event, we would have to figure out what we could do. With trend, with trucking, it's pretty obvious what they can do. Yeah, they there are have a lot of things they can do. Yeah, and they don't really need to come up with ideas of okay, maybe we should do um, a five k, or maybe we should go and do um, uh, a Jump food pantry. <laughs> yeah, or a food pantry yeah, kind but of thing. You've got it, a big truck, so how can you use that truck? And people want that big truck. Yeah, you know, there's a whole bunch of different ways, and and in fact, in Canada. Um, And I'd forgotten about this because it's just one of those things that I always see at the shows. But Trucking for Wishes Mm. is basically an organization that matches charities to Mm -hmm. transportation companies so that people don't have to do that job. And Trucks for Change does that too, that whole network. Sorry, that's what I was talking about, Trucks for Change. No, not Trucking for Wishes is different. Yeah, Um, that's the Make-A-Wish Foundation Yeah, the trucking branch of that. I beg your pardon. Um, But I uh, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And the other thing is, is that there are, there's a study about why people do it. And there are five different reasons for why people hmm. want to um, make a change or, or want to give back or do something for, or be altruistic at all. Don't and say what those are. I don't want to, I can't remember to them. Down, you have to come to Kansas City to, to see what those five yeah. things are. And um, it's interesting, the motivation, it, well, the study was talking about, it doesn't really matter what the motivations are. It really matters what the outcome is, Hmm. but the motivations are not all the same and they're not all altruistic. So Hmm. if you are trying to um, get people to participate in any of these things, I think things like Reese Across America is pretty self-evident. You know, if you're an ex-military person and you have an opportunity to haul Reese, I mean, I think that's a pretty Mm -hmm. easy you're not going to think too hard about it. For a lot of people, that's really, really emotional and very very deep connection. But for other people, it may not be. However, there are other things that motivate people to want to help. Hmm. So that's part of it. Um, Also, the the thing is, is just telling people how they can. I think that 
for Truckers Against Trafficking, which I think is an, is an amazing organization. It's really just tell people what to do. Yeah, what to look for. Yeah, what to look for, what to do it's when you see one. it. Yeah. It's not that hard. And so many people have have really joined that effort. And we saw them when they were first starting, I think it was in Dallas mm. a few years mm-hmm. ago. And they've just grown like crazy. Mm-hmm. And we actually offer the Trucking Against Trafficking Truckers Against Trafficking video on our system as well. The course and certification in our system, as do many people, because it's a a good public service. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there was one state that's now making it mandatory to either use Truckers Against Trafficking or one that the state is producing as well. And I think, I want to say it's either Arkansas or Alabama. It's one of them in sort of that area. I think I remember Uh, something about that, but I can't remember the specifics. Yeah. So this should be a very interesting session. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we are going to be joined by a couple of guests that have a lot of good things to contribute as well. Uh, We've got uh, Halver Lyons is going to be participating. Uh, They've been a Best Fleet many years, and they have a lot of different programs that they do. Not a huge company, uh, so they're able to make it work within their business. Sometimes I wonder if they actually do transportation or do they just do all the <laughs> other all stuff? The other yeah. yeah. Uh, do you actually haul things from place to place? I'm not sure. They haul wreaths. Yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> and they haul and the, the wall, uh, they heals. Yeah. There you go. Uh, and then the other one that's participating right now is Prime, a uh, much larger company and also doing a lot of different things. So we're going to hear uh, some couple of different perspectives. And I think the interactive part of it is going to be not just here's what you can be doing, but here's how to get involved. Here's what to expect. Here's how to make it work in your organization and give people the tools so they can kind of leave there having a sense of which of these might be good for their company and know what the steps are to get going with them so that you got some actionable information there. Uh, and we're also... Um, I believe, we haven't confirmed it yet, but I believe we're also going to have Debbie Sparks part of that program. I really like so, that. Uh, and that should be very interesting. Debbie, of course, uh, has been for more than a decade now a VP of uh, membership programs at TCA and was the person who spearheaded the Reese Across America um, program also, that TCA is involved with and Highway Angel. And helped and, us. And yeah, it was the person that's he been was our, our advocate yeah. in the, uh, for the Best Fleets program. Uh, and at the end of May, she's actually leaving the organization and going to work for Wreaths Across America full time. So it is perfect timing to have her come and talk about that and talk about, oh, she was also the uh, Vietnam Veterans Memorial Fund. She was part of that as well. So she's got a lot of information about uh, what you can do, how to get involved and what the experience is going to be like for those things. Um, and so we're just waiting on, because she's shifting jobs two weeks before the session starts, uh, there's a few things that need to be um, sorted out before she can confirm, but we're very optimistic that she's going to be confirmed before this podcast gets released. So that is going to be an interesting session for a couple of hours on the Wednesday morning. So It'll be the first time that we actually have a TCA person in yeah. our session. Yeah. And not just sort of counting the people that attend, <laughs> you know, coming to the back and, and doing the finger pointing, which means telling can't. us we're out of time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that should be very cool. Uh, so Workforce Builders is in Kansas City, uh, and it is June 12th to 14th. 
it, it looks to be a very interesting um, conference. So anybody who's available, um, absolutely check it out. I think if you are listening to this podcast, you can get a discount. Uh, there's a discount for speakers, but then we also have like a customer discount that we can extend to uh, anybody that we want. Uh, and I don't remember what that code is, but uh, if you uh, mail us, we can get you that. So it gets you a bit of a discount off it. I don't think it's that expensive anyway. So June 12th to 14th, um, Kansas City. And the website is, it's on the TCA website, but they have their own dedicated link, growyourworkforce.com. Because they originally had wfbcon.com. And I think that got confusing for people. So growyourworkforce.com. That's a good um, good website. Yeah. So basically part of the... Uh, TCA's sort of new strategy of helping to retain skilled workers, retain and develop a skilled workforce and build value in the business, improve profitability, all of those things. It fits very nicely in that. So there's a lot of educational content on those things as well. And that was it for me. That's it for me. We're all done. We are. We have wrapped it up again. So um, thanks for listening, everybody. And hopefully we'll see you in Kansas City. After Kansas City, we're going to be like on hiatus we're going to be like um, shows think, that just I, disappear for yeah. a while because we're going to need a break but hopefully we will uh, see you in Kansas City and uh, in the meantime I don't know I should be say, safe yeah be safe oh, safe travels everybody bye